In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie. To support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. <laughs> awkward to even talk about. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. Everybody wants to have tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast at The Athletic. I am Sam Amick, NBA reporter here as always uh, with Joe Varden. Joe, my friend, how are you? Hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. How are you? I'm hanging. Um, you know, I feel like this is going to be a weekly thing where before we proceed, we uh, the, the soul of the podcast needs to kind of be addressed. Uh, last week, we had a really meaningful conversation with our friend and colleague Marcus Thompson about what's happening in the world, what's happening in the country. And there are going to be times when we put the basketball on the side uh, and talk about what matters most. Uh, you know, the, the protests and the rallies and kind of the uprising in the Black Lives Matter movement continues. And uh, that's a dialogue and a talk that's going to keep going. And uh, with good reason, we're seeing some good change along the way. Uh, but we are a basketball podcast and we're going to have fun this week and kind of put that other hat on. And we have a, a fun guest, a guy named Keith Smith, um, who is a contributor to a number of different places. Uh, but Keith uh, wrote a piece uh, in mid-April for Yahoo Sports that, that made the rounds. And, um, and it's funny because— Can I interrupt? You just said for Yahoo Sports. Yahoo. First what? of all, don't say can what I interrupt. You? Don't say can I interrupt when, when it's rhetorical. You, yeah. Yahoo! Yeah. <laughs> For Yahoo Sports, I'm so sorry I offended. Sorry, Chris Haynes, it's uh, you didn't come get me. Um, this this has now become the longest introduction of all time. Keith Smith is on the line. Keith, how are you? I'm good. Hey, it, it's better. My sister calls it Yahoo Sports because there's an exclamation point, so she feels the need to emphasize it. I've all you know. I've kind of wandered like uh, to that point, Keith. That you know, what, what's AP style on on Yahoo Sports? If you have to credit them in a story, like, are you obligated to include the exclamation point? I've I've never gotten a, a definitive answer here. Yeah, I'm not sure I know the answer either. I always put it in just to be on the safe side. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, Keith, um, the fun part is, I you know, 
2020 life, it means that uh, sometimes you feel like you know people even better than you do. Uh, you know, I feel like I know you well, even though you're you're largely for me somebody on social media and somebody whose work I enjoy reading. Uh, you you have a good spirit about you. I've seen some of your interplay on Twitter with, you know, trying to educate readers because you're incredibly, uh, you know, strong on the salary cap and and things of that nature. Um, and so. Uh, I feel like we got a comfort level here that maybe isn't earned, but hopefully you feel the same. Um, I wanted to to kind of just bring you into this conversation because the piece that you wrote on April 16th, um, it, it's funny, and Joe and I were talking off the air, and I guess quickly in case anybody somehow doesn't know who listens to a basketball podcast, the NBA uh, voted on Thursday, 29 to 1, the Board of Governors to go to Orlando for the playoffs. So that was formalized. The players gave their head nod the following day. So late July is the current plan. Uh, roughly 1,600 people in a bubble, um, you know, playing tournaments, 22 teams involved. If you don't know all the details, go to The Athletic and, and read our coverage. But hitting the rewind button, Keith, when you wrote that piece uh, on April 16th with the headline, Why Walt Disney World Would Be the Ideal Spot for the NBA to Salvage Its Season, there, the media part of my brain Instantly, you know, I had little alarm bells going off where I said, huh, this is interesting because anytime you see uh, somebody with like a, a tone of a story and the type of a story that isn't necessarily uh, what, what I had thought was like your style, um, but that just had very unique insight because you have a, a disclaimer on the piece that says uh, editors know Keith Smith was a Walt Disney Company employee for nearly 20 years working primarily at Walt Disney World. Bottom line, you were incredibly far ahead of this story. Um, so so I guess start there, and I'm sure you can't pull the curtain all the way back, but but what was the genesis of these ideas for you? Uh, what compelled you to write it? And, and kind of what has it been like to see everything transpire since then and, and have it be real now? Sure, yeah, it was... Go back to when the season shut down. I think we were all still of the mindset. All right, couple weeks, we'll we'll pick back up and off we go from there. And then once it became clear, this isn't going to be a couple weeks. We started hearing all sorts of proposals for really every major sport of how that they could finish out their seasons in one way or another. And the NBA was one where there was you know oh they should play games on cruise ships and the like. And that instantly I was like that doesn't that's crazy talk. Um, but then we started hearing you know private islands or then a little more realistic you know bring everybody to las vegas they already do summer league there let's do it that way or uh everyone goes to nassau and the bahamas and they they do that and the more these proposals kept coming out over those really i would say those first couple weeks in april the more i started thinking you know Disney is sitting here with all these open hotel rooms. They have all the basketball facilities already. They don't need to, you know, build them in convention centers or, you know, create them on a, the deck of a cruise ship or, you know, uh, by, you know, go to a private island and build an arena or anything like that. And then it, what kept sticking in my mind compared to like Las Vegas, which seemed like the more realistic of all those options is I've been to Las Vegas, you know, several years running for summer league, just like everybody else has. And it is 
you know, it, it's a real city. The, the hotels aren't right on top of the arenas. They're close by, but they're not right there. And, you know, it's all public right of ways and those kind of things. And the more I thought about it, I said, you know, Disney's private property. If they want, they'll shut down, you know, this whole chunk of the corner of the property or they'll shut down all these roads and no one will even be allowed in or out. The sports complex sits, you know, pretty far on the far end of property and then pretty far back on that end of property. So they're, there's no one's going to stumble in there that shouldn't be in there. And the more it started coming together, the more I thought about it. So I got my editor at Yahoo, who fortunately he knows the Disney property quite well because he lives part of the year here in Orlando as well. And we talked through it and then he said, yeah, write it. Let's see what it looks like. And then as these things often are, I wrote it. I sent it off that night. And then the next morning I had a link from him with, you know, here it is. It's up. We ran it. And I was like, oh, I didn't know <laughs> we were going to do that right away. And um, from there, the, as far as the Disney part of it goes, um, all I did before writing the article was fact check a couple of things. I just wanted to make sure I, I hadn't spent a ton of time at the sports complex in recent years. I'd been kind of in and out of there for um, different Disney events and in meetings and the like and soccer tournaments with my daughter. So I wanted to check in on the arenas and make sure I didn't write something like they could have 50 courts. And then somebody would be like, that's crazy. Right. No, we can't, we can't do that. Right. So that was the extent of that. And then from there, it just kind of took on a life of its own. Um, we did get an email uh, that same day that the article posted from someone within the NBA who and all the email said was thank you for a thoughtful and thorough article. And that was the extent of it. Um, and then, you know, then I heard from several people with teams and agents and players and the like after that. And, you know, and then it kind of from there, it went in waves. It was, you know, it would go away for a couple of weeks and somebody would say, this Disney thing might be the way it's going and it would get a whole new life. And then over the last couple of weeks, it's really kind of maintained and stayed, you know, in the conscious of people. Keith, this is all well and good, but... <clears throat> What we want to know was who told you? Was it Bob Iger or Chris Paul? <laughs> yeah, I, w I wish I. Well, I, I, you know, it's funny in my life, I'd, I'd have more access, I think, to Chris Paul now than I would have ever had to Bob Iger. Um, you know, so yeah, it, was, it wasn't either one of them. I wish it was. I wish I could claim that. See, Joe and I are in the same wavelength. Come on, tell us the truth, Keith. Tell us the truth. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the um, what, what I want to say. Um, <laughs> I can't oh, tell gosh. you that. Oh, no, no this you. is great. This is great. Yes. So um, as it became apparent, apparent, um, not only that Disney was a logical choice, which is what the argument that you laid out so well, but that it was headed this way, um, you know, with reporting from Sam and Shams and, you know, the other our other friends, uh, you know, across the dial over there probably did it as well. Um, so I wrote a story that said basically like. This is a marketing boon for Disney of epic proportions. And I, I quoted somebody who had worked there for a very long time uh, in, a, in a fairly adult job um, basically saying this. And in, in the commenters, like commenters were accusing me of quoting you. It was not me. I can, I can promise <laughs> that to, to everybody. It was not me. I, and, and at this point, I think if I've had anything to say on the issue, they can find it right on my own Twitter account. So. That's right. <laughs> so what did you do at Disney, though? Yeah, so I when I started with the company, I actually started as an intern as part of their um, Walt Disney World College program, and I I was I had transferred school, so I was off a semester um, at school, and it was really important to my mom that I graduate in the big springtime graduation. She wanted that versus the kind of small winter what graduation. What school are we talking, Keith? 
Um, so I, where I finished up was Bridgewater State University um, in Massachusetts. It's a very okay. yeah. Well, it's not so small anymore. It's it's getting and getting bigger every year. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Massachusetts. That's where I went to school, and this was the opportunity, you know, for me. Well, I can take a semester off of school. I can come down and do this thing at Disney. I, I loved Disney. We we came here, you know, a handful of times as a kid out uh, of Walt Disney World. I had a friend who had done the college program, and I said, let's do it. So I applied, and I came down here, and I was actually a conductor on the Walt. Disney World Railroad at the Magic Kingdom. I, I uh, rode the train around in the back. The engineers are the ones who drive it, but I was the one who helped people get on and off and did the spiels and all those kind of things. Okay, produ- producer Andrew, we need we need train sounds at this point in the podcast. Please pipe those in. Um, you know, I, I absolutely loved it. I had a blast. I still remember calling my parents and saying, so they do this thing where you can extend and stay an additional semester. And they were like, no, what are you talking about? Get home and finish school. You know, what, what are you doing? So that's what I did. I went home. I stayed on seasonal with the company. Um, I would come down here in between and pick up shifts and work um, here. I also did a parade control. So if you've ever been to Disney and you watch the parade at the Magic Kingdom, there's the people running around in the, the navy blue uh, outfits with a you know, shirt and tie in the 90 degree weather telling you, you know, get out of the street. You're going to get run over by that float. That was me. I did that pretty <laughs> regularly. Um, so, and then I, then after uh, college, I would, wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to work for Disney. So I did a post-grad internship actually working with the college program um, in their housing department. Then that's where I went full-time. And from there, I've held several other jobs, almost all of them in backstage capacities uh, over the, the several years. And there was a year and a half period where the company moved my wife and I to California and we worked at Disneyland uh, for a year and a half. And then they moved us back to Florida. And I'd been there ever since up until it was um, three weeks prior to the season going on suspension was actually when I you know, uh, left Disney after all this time to cover the NBA full time. Uh, so my timing's nothing if not impeccable. <laughs> For folks, uh, I mean, the background is, I think, important to, to get your story. And I, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, guys. For anybody who's who might be sitting here wondering, all right, you know, beyond Keith being a good guy who's good at his job, and by the way, who is is looking for more opportunities. So if you are listening and, and you like uh, his insight and what he brings to the table, um, make sure to reach out to him. It's Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. But but one of the things as a follow up to the story you wrote, Keith, um, that has been kind of making me grin every time I see it is you are kind of the only basketball reporter who is consistently on your Twitter account offering very you know what conceivably very reliable reporting from inside of disney and disney sources and disney says this and disney says that um you know it's one thing to work there for quite some time but from a journalistic standpoint how have you navigated those waters i think it's it's pretty unique we know how to move in the nba space and we've been doing that for quite some time this is a different type of landscape where you worked at a place for a while you have relationships from that and now with good reason you're trying to to kind of you know to capitalize on them to a bit but within that is the same uh, kind of quandaries that you run into in any reporting um, kind of situation how have you moved in that space yeah, it's been it's been weird. I think is the easiest way to put it. it some of these folks that that I've, I'm talking to are people who have been friends of mine for years, who have moved up into high level roles with the company and have advanced into things. Um, you know, some of them who are you know quite frankly they're heavily involved in this project and were heavily involved in putting the proposal together. And they're they're you know people who I consider to be near and dear friends. And that's that's always tough because it's you know I've it's it's interesting how it started 
started was with someone from Disney actually saying, hey, so this was long after the article had been out. And there was, you know, some reports of, oh, well, this is how it will work. And it was, hey, is, is like do you do like a follow-up article and can you like say, no, that's not what's going to happen. Cause that's not part of, you know, this idea and those kind of things. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, and that, at that point we decided we, there wasn't really need to necessarily run a follow-up article, but that's why I've, you know, shared some of the reporting, uh, more recently, the one that was, um, you know, that I, I knew was not a thing and I made sure to double check and it made sure was the idea of a hotel draft. Um, that, right. that was never, you know, Disney was always planned, um, which Joe, I think wrote about in his article was always planned to reopen um you know while the nba would be here they weren't going to stay closed so there's no way they were ever going to give the nba all right so you're bringing you know 16 to you know 30 teams okay let's you know you can all pick your own hotel that was never going to be a thing um all along and i knew you know what their proposal was i knew that was not part of it um and that's why you know that was why i kind of went in strong a little bit on that in the past week or so because you know to me there is a level of i want to be fair to the people at disney too in the you know uh you know people i know there who are you know they're kind of latching on to every word right now because a lot of them you know there's roughly seventy thousand. disney Disney cast members that are on furlough um, and would love to be back working um, and doing, you know, what it is that they do. And, you know, they're latching on to anything and everything that's being mentioned. And you start talking about, you know, 20 plus hotels, you know, for the NBA, they start latching on to that. And that's when right. I start getting questions from friends of those sorts. So that's why, I, I, you know, I try to balance those two of you know, I want to do right by, you know, the NBA side and the story there, but there's a Disney side to this too, that I think is just as important, especially to the people local here in central Florida. Sure. All right. So there's a couple of things there. First, we, we had, we got into this by saying it's cool um, that you're talking to these Disney sources and you're, you are uh, reporting all this stuff on your Twitter account and one of the reasons that that is cool is is of course because they own the largest sports media company in the world, ESPN. Um, so like when I was trying to write that story, I did actually ask Iger uh, or ask for a comment from Iger or ask to discuss this with him, and the email just went flatly unreturned. And then lo and behold, um, he he answered those very same questions with our good friend Ramona Shelburne last weekend. It's amazing how. <laughs> Amazing how that works. Um, but I kind of you know, love you, uh, Joe. For can, I'm just gonna give you a standing go right there. I was hoping that that would be said. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, God love her. Um, and and then uh, the other thing that like Sam and I have have heard um, and just been kind of talking like off, you know, off the the radar is just like some of these little concerns or complaints from players or from the NBA at large about this idea of going to Disney because of things like amenities, uh, whether it would be food or whether it would be hotels. And so like as a Disney, you know, that that you are, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this, what we know about which hotels it might be and and whether or not, you know, those things are, are kind of up to par. Sure. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm happy to talk about that. Well, well to start ahead. with, well, I'll get more specific, Keith. <laughs> I didn't know about... if you had a specific question. I apologize. I was... No, no. Well, I'll, I'll, I think I know where Joe's generally going. But what's the name of the? Uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the resort that's expected to be Tornado Springs. Right. So paint the picture for us, because the infrastructure and the logistics are not only foreign to us, uh, 
if I'm being candid here, they're kind of dominating my life right now in terms of wondering what the next few months is going to look like. I would love to to, to, to have a, a better sense of, you know, from somebody like you who's been there and, and kind of been in that space quite a bit, what will it look like? And also what, just what are your general thoughts about the, the possible functionality of, you know, the way they're approaching this entire bubble, this entire kind of manufactured environment? Sure. Yeah. I, so let's talk about Coronado Springs first, because all the indications I have is it will be at least the primary hotel and the primary hub. There may be a couple additional resorts involved, but I, to what level, I'm not getting real clear answers. Part of the reason why I think that could be is I don't know that they're necessarily going to be Disney-owned and operated resorts. They may be one of the partner hotels that exists on Disney property. Disney has several of those uh, that that they, they essentially rent the land in the space from Disney and run their own hotel, including a Four Seasons Resort, which we know is one of the you know favored uh, resorts for NBA teams as they travel um, around the country. So one of the things is um, Coronado Springs, and I, I don't mean this to, to knock the property at all. It is not what NBA players are exactly used to. It, it just isn't. That's, you know, being realistic, it's not the Four Seasons. It is not, you know, super high end. But what I can say is it is Disney's primary convention resort, and Disney's goal is to be the primary convention destination in the southeast if not the entire east coast they want to draw in high-end conventions to to walt disney world so what they did and it just opened it opened only in within the last year is they built this brand new grandestino tower um, which if you look at the images of the the resort you'll see like one part is this giant tower and it, it just opened and it is beautiful and it is super high-end it's got all the you know things that you would you would think of in a high-end resort then is in part of that they went around the re- remainder of the resort is campus style there's several different style of buildings they went around and they fully rehabbed all of those rooms they created several suites in there as well as um fully you know updated all the beds it probably has more king size beds than any other resort on property because generally when you're traveling to walt disney world you're you know mom and dad and the kids are all staying in one hotel room um where this is more for conventions um they can you know, do more things like king size beds and the like which is you know a little bit more upscale and you know for uh you know let's face it for you know guys who are ranging from you know six feet to seven feet that's you know a little bit more important there so so they've done that they also they the, that property features over two hundred and twenty thousand square feet of convention space which i've already been told will be converted into you know meeting rooms film rooms uh dining areas if need be they're also talking about putting in some uh, workout areas in there for the players um you know and those types of things those will all be set up there there's a lake um there there's um plenty of uh, walking and jogging trails all around there is multiple pools there's one kind of big family style pool which may come into play later as the families are joining the teams as well as there are multiple um what they call quiet pools at disney those are just smaller pools kind of tucked in inside in between the buildings and the like and then i've been told disney plans to pre-family arrivals they're gonna make sure that they set up you know areas for things like movies they've even mentioned you know we could do some first run movies things like black widow which hasn't been in the theaters yet get a copy and make sure it's there if you know the guys want to you'll watch black widow on their downtime we can make sure that that we have that set up for them and then once families arrive they're going to do they're going to do disney at that point they're going to you know they'll make sure there's all the amenities and activities and everything else inside the hotel um, or hotels for 
the players and their families to take part in while they're there and really, you know, make sure that they're making it enjoyable for them while the player is off, you know, going to work that the families have things to do. So that's, that's kind of what it looks like. And then the food style, it'll all be catered in. It'll be the Disney's convention services. We'll, we'll bring that in and they'll, they, you know, they do anything. It, you know, it really just comes down to what do you want to pay for? Um, and Disney will make that happen. So, all right. So, <clears throat> With Coronado Springs, like I had seen that, I had heard that name, but I wasn't sure. There are some other high-end resorts uh, on Disney property that they own, like the Grand Floridian, uh, the Contemporary, all those ones that are on the monorail there. Um, But I actually stayed at Coronado Springs, not in March of 2020, obviously, because there was a pandemic, but in March of 2019. And with what Keith is saying, yes, there was this massive renovation that has been completed since um but it it is surprising it was surprising to hear that coronado springs was the pick if only because my experience there while nice it was like most of the other disney hotels in that the rooms are built for you to go there at night and fall asleep and then wake up and go to go to the parks we're talking about like a bubble situation, which we should probably talk about as well because we're starting to hear things like, well, you know, the players won't be bumping around the parks. Well, what is it are they going to do all day? And if they're being put in this um, in this hotel, like again, I have not seen the new suites, um, but if you're just in a room when you're not, you know, or, or if you're, I mean, I guess you can go to the pool that has like this, the water slide looks like an old ink and um, like an ink and Yeah, no, and you don't, don't, you're going to, but you're going to steal my material, Joe. Before Keith gives the real answer, I mean, the answer is clearly you go to the dig side pool, which features a Mayan pyramid with a 123 foot long spitting jaguar water slide. What, what did I say? Inca? Uh, the Incans? You said Mayan. Yeah, yeah, the Mayans. Close. <laughs> I, I just, I, I need to see LeBron flying down that slide. Uh, and, 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 you know, I mean, if you if the injury report, you know, happens at the at the Mayan 46 uh, foot pyramid, I don't know if you include that detail uh, as you report to the media that LeBron's out for the, the first round. But yes, what other than the 123 foot slide, Keith, what does life look like for these players? Well, I wanted to add, though, uh, I, I wanted to add that uh, Keith had mentioned that there's all kinds of walking and, and jogging paths. Those things go on like some of them are covered by boardwalk and on the boardwalk is it goes over that lake that he mentioned. Well, there are signs all over the place saying do not go in the water. There are alligators, um, which George Hill, you know, is a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, you know, we, we read about his exotic uh, pet farm that he has uh, back at his home. And so he may just jump in the water to wrestle a few alligators and send them back on their way. I feel like that's a Lopez brother move. One of the Lopez brothers, or or, or maybe Aaron Baines or Joe Ingles, who are used to yeah. you know crocodiles, and they're they're in there. There you go. There yeah, you go. it is. Um, yeah. So just you know, full disclaimer for anybody listening to this, uh, we kind of use the rule: if it's bigger than a puddle, assume that there's an alligator in it. Um, just that that's that's the safe side here when you're living in uh. Central Florida. Um, yeah, but you know, for for the 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 players that that's why I think they you know they're gonna make sure that they have availability to go golf. Um, Disney has several golf courses on property. Um, but it, I was told 100% um, from Disney, it's up to the NBA if they want to allow them to go to the theme parks and that they will subject them to everything else that the guests are going to be subjected to starting here in a month or so when the parks open. 
but their expectation is that's not going to be the case. They are not going to, you know, allow the NBA play. The NBA is not going to allow their their people to go to the parks and you know ride rides and those kind of things. So you know, yeah, you're not going to see you know uh, footage of LeBron on Space Mountain. I don't think is is very you know unlikely. Um, but they're going to do everything that they can. That's you know why they mentioned you know movies. One of the things I talked with a uh, team about was they said, yeah, we our equipment guys and one of the items on the checklist is the Playstations and the Xboxes and all of those things to make sure you know they all get there and they're they're there to be set up and you know i i think it's you know one of those where it's you've got to kind of make the best of this um you know they're going to do things though they talked about you know maybe bringing in um some of the Disney entertainment, that'll be more probably when the families arrive and the like and those types of things where that they can uh, enjoy those things together um, as the families. But it was interesting what struck me, and I don't know if you've had this conversation, but how many players since this has become more real have told me I'm treating it kind of like a business trip. I'm going there to try to win a championship and I'm not you know overly worried about the rest of it. And then how many other guys have mentioned things like, I'm not going to be the one who goes there and I got to go out. So I'm going to screw it up for, you know, superstar X on my team sure. and they lose their shot at this. So, so I think that is, you know, kind of, kind of struck me as interesting too. how many of the guys are saying, you know, Hey, I'm going to go do this, but it's definitely going to be a lifestyle change. I think for a lot of them, it's not going to be, you know, what they're used to when they're, you know, on the road somewhere. My only quibble with that would be just, and this is not NBA specific. This is life in general is, is that the knucklehead who's going to mess it up for everybody is never going to broadcast it in advance. You know what I mean? Like, like that's the concern is that you could bat nine ninety nine um, in terms of players, coaches, staff being responsible. Uh, it obviously only takes one to decide that he's, he's not really buying into the concerns uh, he or she, and and then go outside the bubble, pick something up, and that's that's kind. Of, I mean, that's why I wrote what I wrote a few days ago that I was nervous, and I think that I guarantee you, Adam Silver's nervous. Um, a, a quick programming note, guys, when it comes to the health, something I just looked up here that I hadn't tracked in a while, and and Keith, actually, you can maybe steer me in a more accurate direction. Um, I had been tracking the coronavirus numbers in Orange County to get a sense. Uh, of just kind of what was happening in that part of the country. Now, what I've learned since then is that, technically speaking, Walt Disney World does not reside in Orange County. It's very close. Um, to give you the numbers before you you jump in, Keith, is 3.6% of the state's cases. Um, I would I guess this would be a positive thing. Almost a month ago when I wrote about this situation, the uh, that county had 3.6% of the state's cases. And inevitably, you know, the number of cases and, and deaths has gone up marginally, but the percentage is actually the same exact number that it, uh, it is, you know, now that it was about a month ago. So while Florida is is not been pretty for the past week or so and the numbers are going up, so far, nearby Walt Disney World seems to be on the, the safer side on, on a relative basis. But but um, I don't know if you disagree that Orange County is a good barometer here. How do you see that part? Yeah, no, I think that's a great barometer. And I think what you, um, you know, as you look into those numbers, and this is something I've, I've tried to do a little bit of, you know, uh, helping to steer guide i guess on twitter because people you know invariably a number comes out and it's you know florida has its highest you know number of cases since the start of this or whatever it is and one of the things that i'm trying to help people understand is one it's a pretty big state and a lot of those cases that you're seeing rising are down in south florida in central florida especially right around disney you know and i'm knocking on wood here you know silently as i can um we have been very lucky um people here have taken it very serious now i think 
think part of that is our lifeblood is the theme park industry. So it's drilled into us that we have millions of visitors from all over the world. So if they tell us, you know, hey, you should probably start wearing a mask to be on the safe side, you you pretty much saw everybody went to masks right away or face coverings or whatever the uh, terms are there um, to do that. So we 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 took it very serious, and I think you know hopefully that you know helped it there. Now are there people coming out of that? Of course there are, just like there are everywhere in the world. Um, you know people are starting to not you know, where, where the masks and that is are out and those kind of things. And, and you had the handful of people who never did. Um, but you know, we were very lucky and we, we were worried quite frankly, as someone who lives, you know, full disclosure, I live only a mile and a half off at Disney property and, you know, my family and I were, you know, we were nervous because of just, you know, Hey, if someone was here, you know, two weeks ago who had this, you know, how many other people did they come in contact with that then could have had it and had it and had it and it just spreads and, you know, it never really happened. Now, as far as Disney property goes, Disney straddles two counties. It straddles Orange and Osceola County. Um, Walt Disney World is in Orange County, but within that, it exists in its own um, district. It's on its own county, but it exists within the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which, you know, if you do research, you'll find out Reedy Creek is is a Disney-owned entity. Um, Disney owns it. And the reason that was set up that way was after Walt ran into a lot of issues in Anaheim, building up the property there, and then everybody bought everything around him and they made it much harder. And, and then they started building high rise hotels that could look into the, to, to Disneyland and like he wanted far more control. So one of the agreements that he um, and his brother Roy worked out with the state of Florida was let us create our own um, district where we have control over this. We have the building codes are ours. We, we run that, we own that. Um, so that is, that is a lot of times where you start to hear that. Um, confusion there is yes the, the the property exists within the two counties predominantly in orange but a slice in osceola county um as well but the reedy creek improvement district is really what governs uh walt disney world property in general you know it's not in the players it's not cheeseburgers and and chicken tenders i mean yes that's what you get you know that's what the large majority of the people get that go there but even in the parks and certain restaurants there is fabulous fantastic food at, at at epcot for instance that's that's really can be world class and then there are some restaurants like at disney springs and some <laughs> of the food at the upper scale hotels um and and that is what they're going to have access to so i don't think the food isn't going to be and, and this is what like so everybody kind of gets the sense like for the most part on the road as as uh some one of these other two guys mentioned uh of the four seasons is like one of the prime spots for players that's where most teams stay on the road so for the most part reporters don't stay there but there are a couple places throughout the league where players and media do stay at the same hotels so we know what roughly what their standards are we also do eat at the same restaurants um, not together usually, but they're like, for instance, just one of a hundred, uh, like in Toronto, you know, there's a, a famous restaurant called Soto Soto and you walk in and all over the walls are pictures of NBA guys with the owners. And we see them because we've been there over and over and over again in the playoffs throughout the years. And so we know we eat at the same food. So, so, so we can, so a reporter can actually say, well, what, roughly would be up to snuff for a player in terms of lodging uh, amenities and then what would be up to snuff in terms of food and I really do not have uh, I have no concerns about food for those guys for the the next three months 
Yeah, to me, the recreation would be uh, the more interesting category, and Keith addressed some of that stuff. I mean, whether it's the the golfing possibilities. Um, you know, I had one agent who was not feeling the Orlando solution at all during the process, you know, share a line that stuck in my head, which is that if you're bored in Vegas, you can go down to the blackjack table. If you're bored in Orlando, you're, you stay bored. You know, and that's, that's a generalization, um, but that's how some people feel. Now, listen. Just yesterday, I'm sitting there looking at the Twitter feed of a friend and colleague, uh, Arash Markazi from the L.A. Times, and he's putting up videos of, of Vegas being Vegas again, and I'm going, holy Toledo. I'm very happy that they're not going that direction. Um, so, I mean, listen, Keith, you, you filled in a ton of gaps that we did not have the institutional knowledge to fill in. Uh, I will uh, repeat again for anybody listening that, that is looking for Keith's insights uh, and, and kind of services, um, you know, hit them up because this is, I mean, you're, you're good well beyond the Disney stuff and I've always enjoyed your work. Uh, we can't thank you enough, man. This was fun. I mean, are you, do you have any clarity for you in terms of your lane on, you know, to what degree, if at all, you're going to be uh, doing the Orlando playoffs thing coverage wise? How do you uh, see the next few months for you? Yeah, I don't I don't know anything yet. Um, unfortunately, like so many others, I was furloughed from a couple of the outlets that I work for. Um, they have been in touch that they are hopeful, you know, that maybe we can make something happen and I can get back to work. That's, you know, that's a big primary goal for me. Sure. Um, you know, and, and as the media plans develop, there is you know, it sounds like there's going to be different options and the like for what that could look like. And it sounds like some folks who are more local um, may have an opportunity. So I've kind of made it known I'm I'm here. Um, I'm sure. 20 minutes away from the sports complex. If anybody needs me, I am ready to work. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that something will come out of this. If, if not, you know, as I uh, said to, you know, friends and family, I've got a heck of a story, you know, for forever now. And that, you know, that was, that was a lot of fun to, you know, at least, at least be, you know, uh, my minor league involved in, you know, anything that happened here. It's been a lot of fun. No, absolutely. And again, on Twitter, Keith Smith, NBA. Uh, thank you, Keith. This was a lot of fun. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Keith. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Y'all stay safe. You endorse. Likewise. Thank you, man. All right, Joe. That was good stuff with Keith. Uh, fun from the media standpoint because he, uh, like he kind of said, he had a pretty unique story during this Disney thing. I mean, what are the odds of working somewhere 20 years and then having this NBA situation kind of gravitate in that direction to where he was able to tap into some of the uh, relationships? And so I enjoyed that quite a bit. You know, have some clarity about what the bubble might look like, what players might think and feel about the life experience. One quick uh, addendum to our chat with Keith that I want to add. I, I was not aware of this when we talked to him, but I mentioned the overall numbers in Orange County for uh, coronavirus. Um, according to Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press, another I'm reading his tweet, another 57 cases in Orange County reported yesterday, and this is a, a tweet from June 8th. Uh, that's 116 over the weekend, a serious rise in the Orlando area. As Tim says, again, the bubble is 100% critical if the NBA plan is going to work. Uh, and he's right about all that. I mean, this plan at, at its base is tentative because if there was a major spike, then next thing you know, I, I you know, the season could absolutely be canceled. So stay tuned there. Uh, we're still seven weeks away from tip-off, roughly eight weeks. So long ways to go. Can we – you know, it's funny because it's like we wanted to wrap this thing up and, and uh, you know, you wanted to start your driveway beer drinking. Um, <laughs> no, that's me. Uh, but 
talking about the about this getting shut down uh, over a positive test or two even. Um, if we go back to March when we didn't know anything, like we, we didn't know anything about this virus at all, and players were playing against each other every night, um, and we know obviously Rudy was positive with it, but we don't know for how long, and we don't know who gave it to him. Um, and in that first round, you know, those first couple weeks or whatever, I mean, how many players throughout the whole league tested positive? Seven? Is that what we, or at least that's what we know? Yeah, I mean, they only just closed. I don't know. Okay. My memory is failing me. I think it's nine. But, I mean, we were hearing up in the 20 territory eventually. Uh, Adam okay. Silver admitted on a conference call that the league stopped his closing. Um, so that's a mystery. Yeah, I just don't think – I mean, like, I, I actually – I'm not sure I see a scenario where – realistically, where, the, where they start this and then shut it down. I think what you want to avoid, and I don't know if you can, is the big major player – getting it that is just it's a tear it's a disastrous look like if lebron gets this or Giannis or Kawhi or whoever harden whatever bad 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 but i just i don't know i i just um i i don't think i don't think that it's gonna be i don't i don't think the way this is set up for it to be a super spreader event i just don't um and i think you know i i think the transmission so long as we keep it tight with the bubble i think it'll be okay yeah i hope you're right i mean you know listen the the environment that they're going to have it's it's the game itself that i mean if one positive test sneaks through in between all the testing and that seems obviously tough but that's the if if that happened i mean the you know inherent nature of this game is is folks sharing a, a round ball that has sweat all over it and they they pass it around so that's the super spreader event and the the concern versus a an arena with 20,000 people very different environment media is going to be very far away Uh, I was more alluding to the idea like my concern would probably be everything preceding the start of the playoffs that if the landscape in Florida and Orange County specifically uh, just got really bad even before they were able to get the ball up in the air uh, I think the league I mean they are going to have to respond to not only the data and the science uh, but but just the the optics and the landscape in the country, and that's where I, I guess my caution is that it's June eighth as we sit here talking, and July thirty first is a long, long ways away. So I hope people enjoyed learning about how that might look. And I wasn't kidding when I said, I mean, Joe, you and I are living this right now, where the uh, the lack of clarity is is of great interest to us because this is going to to have a lot to do with our routine and and what we do for a living. So that was mm-hmm. good stuff. I feel a, a little smarter on that front today than I did uh, going in. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I'm glad he came on. And thanks, of course, to our silent partner, Andrew Schlecht, who's spinning the dials there in Oklahoma City. Get the Disney sounds in this one, Andrew. Disney sounds. <laughs> and I will. I'm just and I, and I have so many good friends at ESPN, so this is certainly not any kind of shot. I did enjoy getting you know, perspective from somebody whose check doesn't come from, from Bob Iger, uh, or at least part of it. So Keith, right. uh, Keith came in very objectively and very informatively if that's a word um so again thanks to keith